Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Chris Shepard from Underbelly Hospitality coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She is a beverage expert and consultant who has worked on the cocktail programs for a number of successful Houston bars and restaurants. Linda Salinas, welcome back to the show. How are you? Oh, you know, just living my best life. (laughs) Well, thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, the Kirby Group, that is to say the hospitality group behind Wooster's Garden and Heights Beer Garden, Holman Draft Hall and Pitch 25, announced that they are opening a new patio bar, Buffalo Heights Beer Garden, which will be located on Washington Avenue. Uh, right near Voodoo Donut, right at Washington and Wah. Uh, and in addition to a cocktail bar and a beer garden like they have up in the Heights, they are adding Emma Jane Bakery that will serve pastries and sweets and coffee and all that good stuff. Linda, let me just throw it to you. What do you think about the Kirby Group's next project, Emma Jane Bakery? Well, um, I, I really love what they do. I just, I remember a couple of years ago, we didn't have, I just, where did all these patios come from? <laughs> like, well, it, I mean, part of it's their fault, right? I mean, I think Wooster's Garden kind of kicked off a, a trend of patio bars. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've always had like little Woodrow's and we've always had like West Alabama Ice House, if you want to go really old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've always had patios, but now it's like bustling, patioed, cocktail-driven bars, you know? And so... Landscaped, you know, swing sets. Axelrod has the hammocks. I mean, there's always... There's always a gimmick. There's always some little thing to entice you. Yeah, but I mean, it's everything's very Instagrammable. The cocktails are good. I, I mean, honestly, I, I love what those guys are doing. Um, and I love me some Brandon Silva. Like, he's just, he's incredible. I love what he does. I mean, Holman Draft, you know, has always had, like, a really great elevated uh, bar, you know, bar, bar food, you know, bar menu. Their brunches are, are fun. Um, so, I mean, I'm excited to see what's going on over there, you know. And, I mean, who doesn't love pastries, you know? We've got you know, La Cecilia with Christina, you know what I mean? Like there's just, there's like, I mean, it's incredible. I, I, I can't wait to see what's going on over there. Yeah. Uh, someone asked me, I guess you, you travel back and forth to Austin much more often than I do. Someone compared this to easy tiger. I don't know. Do you, do you feel like that's a fair comparison for the, the guys from Kirby? Yeah. For, for Buffalo Heights, for Buffalo Heights beer garden and Emma Jane bakery. I don't, you know, I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't think so because they just do so much more cocktails. Okay. They're cocktail driven as I'm, as much as I love that concept um, in Austin, they don't, it's beer, you know, beers, ping pong, bread sausages you know got it. Uh, okay. I, I don't really see brandon kind of like pulling you know calming it down if anything he's probably going to go even bigger with like what he's going to be doing at that bakery yeah and and i should say on behalf of steven salazar who's one of the partners in the kirby group and kind of 
runs the show for them operationally, uh, they are hiring. So if you are a baker in search of a new opportunity, find Stephen on Facebook and DM him because he really, really wants to talk to you. Uh, let's move on to topic number two. Carrie Pauly, a veteran of Benji's and a whole bunch of other Houston restaurants, is going out on his own. He's opening KP's Kitchen, a BYO bistro in a former Smashburger in town and country village. Carrie's got like a, a pretty clear vision of, you know, uh, kind of a Barnaby style menu, you know, burgers and other sandwiches, salads and starters, you know, steak, a snapper, or whatever. Interestingly, I think he's working with Brian Caswell, who's kind of helping him get through permitting and set up the kitchen. And, and someone who used to work with Brian at Reef is going to be the kitchen manager for for KP's Kitchen. You know, the memorial area is uh, a little bit underserved still. For, for real. And a, a fast, casual Barnaby's with slightly better food that's BYOB sounds like a real winner to me. Slightly better food. Don't, don't throw shade at my beloved baby Barnaby. well that's the goal the goal is to be a little bit better than barnaby's okay all right don't throw shade don't throw shade (laughs) look i no shade no shade for me that sausalito chicken crunch salad is uh, a personal favorite of mine and and you know how much i like the breakfast at baby barnaby's because in in the before times we went there roughly every couple of months yeah every couple of months yeah um no, I'm uh, I'm really excited to see what Carrie Pauly has, has has done. Like he's, I mean, he was a monster for for Ben for Benji's and those concepts and stuff like that. He's always been such a great hospitality professional. So I think that sometimes when you get outside of the loop, people, you know, people, you know, just lack a little in hospitality. So I think that maybe pulling up. Um, some of that inner loop love, you know, out there and creating a, a, a bigger, better spot for, for people to grow into is, um, I think it's a great, great idea. Right. Anyone who participates in Facebook foodie groups knows Carrie Polly because anytime someone asks a question that's even remotely related to any Benji's concept, whether that's you know, Benji's before it closed or the classic before it closed or, or local foods, where can I get a great salad or, or where can I get a burger or where can I go for happy hour? Carrie Polly pops up in the replies. Hey, we'd love to have you. Let me buy you a drink. You know, let me buy you an appetizer. Come in, check us out, you know, give us a try. And, and that kind of tireless advocacy when it wasn't his restaurant. I mean, you know, when he was uh, just an employee is is very dismissive because he's he's a very important part. He's been a very important part of what they do for a long time. But now that he's an owner, he's going to have it's going to be even more over the top. I mean, someone's going to be like, you know, where can I get a great burger in the Woodlands? And he's going to be like, well, you know, we're not in the Woodlands, but I'd really love you to drive down to Memorial and, yeah, I, and check out KP's Kitchen. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only the only other thing that kind of like I wouldn't say concerns me, but like. Are BYOBs sustainable? You know what? Like, that's one of the things that I think is really interesting. We've seen so many people 
go and elevate their drink programs, you know, do people, are people flocking to, to bring their own bottles and, you know, or, you know, so on and so forth. That's, you know, and is it, is it a sustainable, you know, second, is he planning on doing something, you know, is, is he going to bring liquor or beer or wine into it? You know, I, I just think it's, it's interesting. Well, so, so my thought was that the Jonathan's the rub that has mm-hmm. been BYOB for its entire existence mm-hmm. going to relocate to the other side of I-10 and not be BYOB anymore. And they have a really devoted customer base of Memorial area people who are very passionate about their own sellers and really like that they can take a nice bottle to Jonathan's with them. Yeah. And so I just think that there's a segment of, and, and I know some of these people because they, they used to be, they were regulars at La Vista before La Vista closed and relocated and they were Jonathan's regulars. And I think they're going to find KP's kitchen very appealing because they really appreciate the opportunity to, to drink a great bottle of wine that, that they have already purchased, uh, you know, in an environment where they don't have to cook for themselves or clean up afterwards. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll have to um, check it all out. Yeah. And that should open uh, pretty soon. He says, uh, I think he said late spring. So we'll hope for like, a, you know, April, April ish opening on KP's kitchen. And then topic number three, uh, Dutch Brothers Coffee, a West Coast favorite with 400 plus locations, has big plans for Texas, including five locations in the Houston area. Uh, apparently, they, they already opened in College Station, and on opening day, they served over 100 cars an hour, which sounds like a lot of coffee to me. Linda, I have to admit, I am not, again, I don't. I don't seek out coffee shops when I travel and I haven't been to the West coast in a little while. Um, are you familiar with Dutch brothers? And, and if so, what do you know about it? Um, I've had them in a couple of different um, places, but I don't know, man, Greenway or cats is all the way. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry. Well, I guess, I guess the real question is, uh, better or worse than Starbucks, right? Because that's that's really what the, the market is. Yeah, I mean, you know, the only time that I drink a Starbucks is that I've, if I'm in an airport and it's, and I don't drink coffee there, I drink tea. Like, All right. just let me just leave it at that, okay? So if it's going to raise the, if it's going to raise the bar and, um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard. You cannot, you cannot take away any business from like our most beloved entrepreneurs that have grown their brands. And then you're going to come in here and just snatch it all up. No, no, that's fair. I think so. I, you know, I, I saw on Facebook that at least one of them is under construction in Katie. So there's no Greenway. I knew it. I knew it. Right. There's no Greenway coffee in Katie. There's no, I don't even know if there are cats clients, maybe, uh, Oh, you know, I guess there is Dish Society in Katie. They're a Greenway call. They're a Greenway call. So, yeah. All right. But, and that's not really Houston. So, I don't even know why you're even covering this. It's not even inside the loop. 
<laughs> it was a very popular article across the entire Culture Map Network. So <sighs> I just thought I would mention it for West Coast, you know, West Coast transplants. All those people lining up at In and Out will also be lining up <sighs> whenever Dutch Brothers opens. Out of here. <laughs> and and also because I got a really hilarious Facebook comment from some woman who was like, I went to Holland and they had terrible coffee. And so anything named Dutch Brothers probably won't be good because of the one trip I took to Hall, which was the most unhinged, like irrelevant Facebook comment I've seen <laughs> in here, reaction to one of my articles in a while. And so I just, I, anyway, I, and, so. And here, yes. and here we are discussing this on your most influential podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. You're right. Let us move on. All right, that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Stick around. Linda, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk to you about The Nash. What? It's a new restaurant that opened in the Star downtown. Don't act surprised we had dinner there last weekend. We did? I, I promise. <laughs> you were there. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, you know, I, I mean, obviously I have thoughts and we talked about this a little bit already, but, but what did you think of The Nash? Why do you have to throw it on me first? I, you want me to go first? Yes, go first. <laughs> All right. So we had an interesting dinner. We were invited by the PR firm that represents the restaurant. And we sat with Omar Perinay, who is the, the chef and one of the owners of a la carte consulting. It's, it's Omar's menu. And Omar said, it's a steak and pizza place. To which I said, that's not a thing that really exists, right? Restaurants do steaks and chops and burgers, or they do pizza and pasta. They don't typically do steak and pizza and pasta, but that is, that is the Nash. And if you live in the star, I think it's a very useful little neighborhood restaurant in the sense that you might want, you know, it might be Tuesday and you might want a pepperoni pizza and it might be Friday night. You don't really, you, you want something a little more substantial, a little fancier but you don't feel like going very far. So you walk downstairs and you have a steak and it's got a cool little, it looks nice. It's got a good little wine list, relatively affordable, tasty cocktails. You know, I, all of those things. I think it's an incredible amenity for a building. Honestly, right. it's an incredible amenity. Like nowadays, you know, you're, you watch a building go up with a pool and, you know, a gym and so on and so forth. And to have like a good restaurant that has a great wine list, fantastic cocktails. Those are all very, very great amenities. But my concern is, okay. And, I, and it serves downtown, you know, it serves downtown because things are closing or in flux, you know, as like, places are opening and closing. Cause I mean, what's really open downtown other than the steakhouse, you know, the state, you know, the steakhouses and, you know, most of the hotels 
you know, their restaurants are closed. So I think it's a really great amenity. But my concern, are people going to come from Katy to the Nash? No, but I don't think I don't I, I don't think it's a destination restaurant. I don't think I, I don't think people should come from Katy to go to the Nash. Right. I think this is like if you live downtown or in Midtown, because it's very convenient on the light rail. Yeah. You know, that's about as far away as I would go and go to the Nash. I, I think the Nash is sort of, uh, you know, we were sitting there with Omar and I said, oh, it's, you know, this kind of reminds me of Houston's mm. in terms of the structure of the menu. And he's like, oh, if we could be as good as Houston's, I would be thrilled. Yeah. I mean, that's not a direct quote, but that was the sentiment. Yeah. Right. And we, you know, I already, we already made one Barnaby's reference on this podcast, but it's like, it's like a fancy Barnaby's with pizza. Right. Well, that's, I just, I think you're, I've not, I like that menu. I loved the muscles. I loved, you know, like I love the details. That's true. That, that sort of tuna, tuna with the puffed rice and the black garlic was super delicious. Well, it's like, how could you say that it's an elevated baby Barnaby's when there wasn't like a salad on the menu? There were, you know what I mean? Like, and there wasn't sandwiches on the menu. It's literally. Yeah. It's it's a a neighborhood restaurant. Yeah. With a chop house menu. Yeah. Plus pizza and pasta. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's, I think it's so much more elevated than that. Um, Tuna mussels, like, uh, oh, that snapper. Oh, that's yeah. The snapper was really nice. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just a little bit salty because they overcooked the ribeye. Oh, you're such a, you know what? Calm down after everything that we had and you're going to cry about a steak. I just think we should be honest with the people. Okay. That's fine. But I mean, let's, let's say, say it, say it as it is, you know, like everything was very good, you know, like, why don't you just leave, you know, Papa's. And Vic and Anthony's to do their bid to do that bidding and then leave everything else. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. No, no. I mean, if you want a great steak and you're downtown, there's plenty of great steakhouse options. This is more like if you order the steak, like if you if you go there and you happen to be in the mood for a steak and you order a steak, just make sure that they cooked it properly because Oh, it's so salty. <laughs> They charge $45 for it. Now, one other thing I want to mention about the Nash is that uh, Vic Sen is the floor manager. And yes. he is an old school Houston hospitality veteran, was was at Ruggles for a long time. You know, was it Ruggles Black? I mean, he's been he's been everywhere, man. And he is as nice and accommodating a hospitality professional as exists in the city. And it just made me, I, I was so happy. I walked in the door. I've known Vic for a long time and I was just so happy to see him there. Yeah. Their, their hospitality is, is, uh, is great. You know, and I think that that's really what, especially in downtown, you know, there's not a whole lot of places that you're going to go to, you know, and get that, that kind of service there. So yeah, I mean, don't be salty. That's my job. (laughs) All right. Well, that's what happens when I go first. All right. Let's, (laughs) Let's talk about one other restaurant. I want to talk about 93 Till. This is the new restaurant in Montrose that replaced Night Heron. Uh, it is owned by chefs Gary Lee and Lung Lee. They are not related. They just happen to have the same last name. I, calling it a restaurant is probably a little bit of a misnomer. This is definitely more bar lounge with food. 
but I went first for the Nash. So I'm going to make you go first with 93 till. What do you think about, what do you think about this little Montrose newcomer? You know, I don't want to say it, but I think they might've broken that curse. Ooh. All right. Why do you think that this could be the concept that, that thrives in this space that's been, it was Night Heron, it was Lowbrow, it was Sophia, it was Cafe Artiste way back in the day. I think it's somewhat cafe style, but their service is, is up to where, what that neighborhood is used to. And I think that, you know, when something, when something has opened in this, in this space, it's always, it starts off really awesome. And then somehow it just drops off and it has nothing to do with the operators. It just happens to be that people are figuring things out, so on and so forth. But like the hospitality there is very, very good from servers dropping off food, runners, Tina Marie from Sugar Room um, is behind the bar. Gary's you know, coming out to the floor, checking out things, you know, like, I think that that's the biggest, I mean, and and I've been there several times and it's relatively busy, you know, considering that there's going on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like their menu. Um, at first I was, I was a little confused by their menu. I was like, what is going on here? Well, yeah. And we should say there's, what three or four different kinds of toast? Yeah. On the menu, right? There's the foie gras tarchon, uh with PB and J that that comes with toast. There's the chicken liver mousse uh, with smoked trout roe that comes yeah, with toast. I don't. And there's the clam toast. The clam toast, but that clam toast isn't really clam toast. It's a delicious bowl of clams that have happens to have toast. You know. Well, yeah. It's it's linguini. It's linguini vongol. Yeah. With with toast instead of spaghetti. Yeah, it's so I don't think it's like a toast. So cuz I cuz like when I looked at that menu I was like what's going on here Gary Lee? And we ended up ordering a couple of things. They've got a great um they've got a lot of really great like singularly like they're fu- they're they're great on their own and then as as kind of like a snackable menu is what I really like about that menu. It's like you don't have just one thing, you order two or three things to to put together a menu which i really love because i'm a snack monster so i don't like just doing, eating one thing right it's all kind of shareable mm-hmm. you know the one thing that kind of struck me about the menu is it just seems like it's all food that they're really excited about serving mm-hmm. right there's no they don't have a burger right i mean they do have a chicken sandwich but it's a really good chicken sandwich it, you know it just seems like it's all kind of chefy snacky late night kind of grub. And I, you know, it reminds me to a certain extent of when Nobis first opened. And mm-hmm. it was like, this is very clearly like, there is like a very singular vision kind of driving this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, at Nobis, it was kind of 70s rock and roll vibe a little bit. And at 93 Till, it's more like 90s hip hop. Uh, so every and I'm I'm down with all that no and but you know they have a they have they basically do a set list a playlist every night and it's not and look I'm not gonna say who I am so tired of walking in it's the same 90s hip-hop 
like at a couple of places. I'm like, stop it. Like, <laughs> I don't, I'm like, I love Biggie. I love a, a couple of, but I'm just like, gosh, regardless, it's not just nineties hip hop. It's a series of records playing all night. So lighting is good. Um, they're going to have a full bar this weekend. Uh, praise emoji. Yeah, just real quick. You mentioned the bar director, and I don't think I know her. So just tell us, give, give us the three sentence, you know, the short version of uh, uh, so the, Tina, the bar directors. Uh, Tina Marie actually is from Oakland, and she moved from Oakland. She's a craft cocktail bartender. And um, actually, by the way of Chris from one of the ladies of libation, um, recruited her from Oakland. And she ended up opening up Sugar Room. Sugar Room obviously was a, is still a beautiful cocktail bar inside of a bakery, basically a speakeasy. So she's managed um, that cocktail bar uh, and then jumped over to do this bar program. So can't wait to see what else is uh, what else they have going on um, in the next couple of weeks. Right now that they have their liquor license, you can roll out a full cocktail menu. Mm-hmm. You know this place is already already has really interesting food. Should have really great drinks. Yeah, almost makes me sad that I just moved out of Montrose a couple months ago, but not quite um, <laughs> because I still live pretty close and can go. Well, visit. don't you worry. Um, Gary did tell me a couple of days, a couple probably like a week ago, and he said that they're going to do like kind of cafe style service during the day, so people can pop in to grab things. You know, like a pastry case, so on and so forth. That's like moving forward. And of course I told him, I was like, what is going on with brunch? And he's like, do not worry. We will be here for that too. So. Oh, good. All right. Linda, that does it for our restaurants of the week. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks so much. All right. And I will be right back with Chris Shepard. I am joined this week by the chef owner of Underbelly Hospitality, the company behind One Fifth, UB Preserve, Georgia James, Hay Merchant, Blacksmith, and uh, a couple other things that are coming soon that we'll talk about over the course of the conversation. Chris Shepard, welcome back to the show. I realized, because I listened to it this morning, the last time I had you on, it was August of 2017. Oh. One Fifth Steak had just ended one-fifth romance languages was about to start uh, and Southern smoke was still a fundraiser for the national MS society because hurricane Harvey hadn't happened yet. Yeah. Wow. That's a, there's a lot that has happened since then, huh? I know three and a half years. It, it just, it doesn't seem like that much should have happened in that amount of time, but uh, you know, you, you closed, you closed underbelly, yeah. you, Open Georgia James, you opened UB Preserve. You've been through, I don't know, three or four different versions of one fifth, and uh, and you're getting ready to do all kinds of cool stuff at the farmers at the Houston Farmers Market. Yeah. Oh, and you've raised raised and given away millions of dollars to help hospitality workers through Southern Smoke. It's been a fun three years, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I and I guess I should say congratulations on getting married. Thank you, because that happened too. Yeah, she can't outrun me. <laughs> yeah you know I, i'm i'm lucky on that front for sure um 
it's just it's it's man what a what a wild three years when you put it that way right yeah and and, and basically this year was kind of just a weird thing that happened so yeah um i i i'm gonna have Catherine lot on next week so i don't want to delve okay. too deeply into southern smoke because i want to i want to give her plenty of room but but let me just ask you, like, what's the biggest change you've noticed since David Chang won a million dollars for Southern Smoke on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I think it raised a lot more awareness of the organization um, on a national front. And uh, I think when people saw David do that, that um, other, poc- you know, other people started to um, figure out how that they could help as well. And, and I think that was a very important thing. Um, and it really gave uh, it gave it a new eye and a new awareness to what we were doing and who we are. Because I mean, there's a lot of people that traditionally wouldn't know that, but uh, unless your industry or you you read about it in some of the industry places or you hear about it through the industry, but you know, you're watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and all of a sudden that happens, and they get you know, especially when Dave wins the million dollars, he's the first one to ever do that. Um, I think it really brought a lot of awareness to the organization, which is great. We did get a lot more applications in and some funding in too, so that's that was great. Yeah, were you were you surprised by how many people actually watch Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I grew up watching it all the time, but I haven't. I, I I'd be honest with you, I haven't watched it in a long time. But um, it's uh, it's pretty special. I mean, just the just the the pure cojones to risk it at the five hundred thousand dollar question. Man, I'd have been out at like. Five grand, maybe, <laughs> maybe a thousand. Like, I would use my lifelines by now because I'm sitting there like, how does, I mean, how do you even know all these things? And he's just like very definitive, you know, and that, that wasn't a lot of swaying. And uh, where I think a lot of people end up talking themselves through things or talking themselves out of things. And, and he was just, bam, this is what we're going with. Bam, this is what we're doing. Well, he got lucky, I think at like the 125 when he got the question about, KFC for Christmas in Japan because he had lived in Japan. Yeah. And that 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 spared him a lifeline that he then had available for the 500,000 to a million step and obviously that's what pushed him over the top. Yeah, it was awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, it's going to help a lot of people. And that's that's the thing, you know, when we start averaging $2,000 or $2,000 a person like that's 500 people. Um, yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of folks. That is a lot. Um, all right, so let me move on because you are doing the one fifth fourth anniversary party this week, mm. and that that's you're heading to the end of that. I mean, uh, mm. when when one fifth uh, Southern Comfort wraps up at the end of the summer, I mean that's it for one fifth, right? Yep, that's it. We go. How do you kind of feel about how that project is gone? I mean, did it did it exceed your expectations? I mean, what are you what are you going to take away from it? <laughs> I feel like. Uh, you kind of said it when we started talking about 2017, like we got through the steakhouse and then we went, we've, that restaurant has endured uh, three or a few of the hardest things that Houston's ever seen. You know, um, we open it as we're opening the second iteration of it. Like the city goes through arguably the worst hurricane it's ever had and seeing the struggles from our entire city, like just people in pain and in need and in hurting, like that's, it was hard on every single restaurant. Um, and then this year, I mean, it's, I mean, what do you even say about that? So um, as we're getting ready to change it, <laughs> we get, you know, remember when we were going to do lightning round? 
Yeah, I was super excited about Lightning Round. I'm a little bit sad that you're not going to do what I was sort of jokingly calling one-fifth Goodfellas with the Italian-American food and the meatballs and the beets and stuff. You never know. We still got like seven months, eight months. So, uh, yeah. I mean, that could happen. Who knows? Uh, but like, I, I just think that that restaurant has um, found its way. I thought it was really, um, it was really uh, smart and really thoughtful and fun to learn because each restaurant had its, each iteration had a totally different clientele. And it was almost overnight that that happened. And so um, it was kind of cool to see. Uh, I don't think I'll ever do anything like that again. But um, <laughs> I mean, just because it's, it's financially, it's hard. You know, you start like, oh, let's go ahead and redo all the uniforms. Let's redo all the interior. Let's redo all this and spend the time to do that. Like, I just, you know, if I do it, we'll do it like we did last time. Just change it. I'm not painting it. Guess what, guys? We're, you know, wear some black shirts. Good. Let's go. You know, like, I think we changed it over to Southern Comfort in, I think, uh, 24 hours. So, yeah, I haven't, I haven't made it to Southern Comfort yet. How's that going? I love it. It's great. Um, you know, there's something about wood roasted fish and, and stuffed jalapenos and, you know, crawfish pasta that just and hush puppies. It just really makes me happy. I mean, it's for right now, it's kind of what I want to sit back and eat. You know, I want a good bowl of gumbo and I want to think about that. You know, I want to have a cocktail and relax and, um, you know, sit out on the patio, listen to some music, do your thing. Like that's, that's to me kind of fun. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you like very smartly, like very quickly, realized when you reopened that you were going to need a patio and you just, you just, you know, claim part you fenced off part of the parking lot and <laughs> Lexus gave you some money for, for a tent, some greenery and, and you were ready to roll. I don't, I don't, it, I mean, everybody heard what I was going to do and they're all like, Oh no, you're not. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm just going to go get some two by fours and some uh, four, you know, cinder blocks and I'm going to make a patio and I'm going to, Blacksmith wants to redo their tables and chairs outside, so I'm just going to steal all their old ones and I'll just put it out there. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Maybe we'll throw up some little like parking lot tents. And uh, everybody's like, uh, "No, no, you know, make it nicer." And I was like, <laughs> "Why? I mean, we're using it as just like a pull-up drive-through right now. Let's just let's go." And so, you know, talking to Caitlin and Lexus, she was like, "Yeah, no, you're not going to do that." And then, you know, and having Telepson um, Landscaping come in and just really make all the greenery, it really helped out. You know, when I was able to do it with uh, UB, UB Preserve as well, because, you know, that restaurant's so small, it gave us, a, you know, an extra 16 seats, which pretty much doubles capacity for us over there right now. So, Are you still thinking that you would like to find a permanent home for one-fifth Mediterranean? In the future, yeah. I don't know how it would look, but, um, yeah, I do. Uh, I really loved it, and I love the food, and I love the textures, and I love the culture, and I love everything about it. Um, but right now... Uh, I, I don't think it's the time exactly for it, but I got to figure that out. There's still a lot of things in my head that um, need to come out first. So I mean, we got a plateful. Right. Well, yeah. So yeah, let's, let's yeah. start with your plateful. Let's talk about Georgia James Tavern. Mm -hmm. uh, the new restaurant that's going into the market square tower. Yep. Um, just describe it a little bit, maybe for people who, who didn't see the news or, or who haven't been paying as close yeah. attention. So uh, Georgia James Tavern is kind of the next iteration for me, I think, and for us as a company. Um, one of the things that we wanted to do, I understand going to Georgia James all the time, is that's, that's expensive, man. Um, and it's just, it's not feasible all the time. So um, how do we make something that's a little, you know, it's more comfortable, easier, you can go in shorts, 
to watch a football game, drink a cold martini, get a good salad, get a good sandwich. Um, you know, that's kind of the goal uh, of what we wanted to. And, you know, with the opportunity at Market Square Tower, um, you know, it gave us a small place to do it, uh, which is, is kind of good. You know, I, I wouldn't open this with 400 seats because, man, that's a lot of that's a lot of real estate. Um, but it also gives us the ability with Market Square, like, I, I, you know, forever downtown was kind of, I don't know if I'm going to do that. I don't think so. Uh, but walking through there and just seeing all the amenities and now with uh, the way that we can do things, uh, selling top cocktails to go. And like it becomes we can look at this as like uh, for the residents, we can look at this as almost a room service style um, venture. And so not only do we have or, you know, we're going to gut the downstairs restaurant and, and redo it the way we want it. And we're also going to be building a patio in the port of cachet um, But having uh, all of the amenities to service as well, it just makes sense. Um, you know, you've got 400 and something residential units that are 90% occupied. It just gives us the ability to, um, you want this in 4F? Sure. We'll run it right. up. You know? <laughs> right. You want a French onion burger or a, or bring, a slab salad? We, we got you covered. Yep. Bring Matthew Coburn over and um, from Georgia James so he understands uh, the ethos and what we're doing. So uh, you know, we're, we're a ways out, but, um, when we get there, it's going to be fun. Yeah. I saw, did I see on social media, you guys did a little menu test for some of the residents. So <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's not really a menu test. We just wanted to, uh, you know, kind of say, Hey, we're coming. Um, and, and it, it, they, they have a lounge in there where they've been doing some service and we just want to make sure that like, we can go in there once a week and cook some steaks or what have you for them. Um, and just kind of do little pop-ups. Uh, just to, you know, because they don't really have a food element in that building anymore. So we just want to give them that every once in a while to be able to uh, build the excitement. And one for us to learn the residents and understand that we are moving in. I've never been in a residential place before. So for us to understand like the ethos and like the, what the people think and what they want. And so we can kind of cater to that as well. So, cause you know, it's, it's only a, we're going to be looking at probably with patio, probably 80 seats at the most. Um, and so, you know, between having all the residential that's down there, when business gets back and when the theaters get back open, um, it, it, I got to be able to listen and, and learn what uh, the residents like. So, so what was the initial reaction or, you Love know, it. everybody's super happy, you know, they're happy to have somebody come in there and, um, you know, everybody's like, you're doing this the right way and we appreciate it. And, you know, um, it's going to be fun. It's really going to be fun. So, and then can, can I ask you a, just a stupid question from my perspective? Uh, I mean, uh, stupid questions all the time. So yeah, fair enough. Uh, I mean, why why a new concept Georgia James Tavern instead of leveraging the Hay Merchant branding that you've already right? Because you could take that cease and desist burger and the wings and the beer and just it'd be super yeah. Good. Um, I, you know, I, I think. You may see some of that. It, I mean, when I when we do this, I, I think of like if you were to cross Hay Merchant and Georgia James together, what would that look like? All right, and that's kind of the thought process. Um, I, I, I just, you know, the Hay Merchant. When you start bringing the Hay Merchant uh, around, uh, people expect a lot of taps and a lot of beers, and and um, I don't think that's really the way I want to go. I don't want to. I don't want a, a beer heavy restaurant. I want a a classic kind of, I want a kick-ass martini in an old-fashioned restaurant, you know? Um, and so I, I think when we start talking about branding 
if I were to do that, it would be, you know, people would definitely think, okay, where's the 50 taps at? Right. And so that's just like, in that place, there's no storage for kegs. Um, so I'd be like, hey, welcome to Hay Merchant with three beers. Whee! <laughs> <laughs> right. But PB&J wings and a cease and desist burger. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that kitchen is so small. Um, we're really going to have to tool that menu to work. And, and, you know, what really enticed me is that there's that wood-burning oven in there, that little pizza oven. So uh, I want to be able to utilize that a lot as well. Cool. And then, so, like you said, you think this is kind of the future. I mean, you could see multiple Georgia James taverns popping up around Houston. I do at some point. You know, you don't ever want to build something out to be that, but you have to think about it when you're doing it. You know, what if? The what ifs um, are, are, is kind of the thought process in my head. So what if we were to do this in one in Sugarland or one out on the west side or one north or how does it work? You know, because um, popping up Georgia James is that's great, but it's 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 uh, again, it's not an everyday spot. It's not someplace you can just be like, man, where you you can crave it, but you can. I want someplace where you can crave it and just be like, that's super easy. That club sandwich is freaking awesome. Let me go. You know, and so. Yeah, I crave the Georgia James uh, wood-fired crab legs, but you know, at, at eighty-five dollars, it's like a it's an annual treat more than a like a monthly satisfying thing. But if we did a smaller version out of that wood-burning oven, like that'd be great, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, just a Georgia James. Like when we did that specific dish, it was funny because it was like, I'll be honest, I was working on a scallop dish. Uh, and I, and I, and I was like, I want to do this wood roasted scallop thing. And, and we were working on it. I was working on the sauce and working with the guys on it. And I was like, this sucks. It's, fu- it's fucking not right. And, like, and they're like, well, what do you really want? I was like, I want some king crab legs cut up and just brush with garlic, but it's simple. It, I know it's going to be expensive, but let's get the best king crab that we can and let's roast it perfectly and let's do it right. And so everybody's like, all right. And it was funny because I threw away pretty much everything else. I was just like, just get it out of here. I don't, you know, it was, it was a frustrating moment for me because I really I mean, tried to work this scallop dish in and, and man, it just wasn't right. I mean, but I will say when they show up on a baller board at Georgia James, it's like, yeah, you've got the steaks and the, the sides and the cream collards and the potatoes, and all, but like, there's just something about those crab legs that, that really takes that whole experience up a little. It's legit the first thing everybody grabs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> legit. They're like, uh, that's mine. <laughs> like, so, you know, yeah, I love it. I think that's way better than the scallop dish I was thinking about. <laughs> well, hey, you know, happy accident. Yeah, I was like, this is too much cream, too much shit. Much, much. Oh, man, it was fun. <laughs> All right. And then the other thing you're working on right now is the Houston Farmer's Market, which is the like the reimagining, the redevelopment of what we used to call the Caninos market, the produce market at, in uh, the North end of the Heights. Um, I mean, I had the chance to tour that with you and your business partner, Todd Mason. Uh, what, I guess about a month or two ago. Yeah. It's, it's really coming along. Like it's, it's finally starting to look like it's almost done. Since then. Yeah, man. I walked through it uh Wednesday or Thursday, and was like, "Oh my golly, okay, it's getting close." Um, and I guess I thought I, in my head I had a little bit more time, but uh, yeah, seeing the stalls going up and seeing like the vendors and like and knowing where they're going and seeing how it's being laid out, 
it's 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 really going to be awesome. It's going to be so cool for this city. Well, yeah, talk about that a little bit because I don't think people fully understand like all of the changes that are coming. Yeah. So um, as we look and what we've done with the market, and Todd was really and his group were really smart about this, is you know they could have just gutted it and built something up there and 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 uh, put whatever they wanted in there, but they really have you know held on to the tenants and making it where a place where the tenants are going to actually do way better. Um, where more people can come. I mean, now there's going to be over 500 and something parking spaces, a bunch of different retail, um, you know, restaurants and and just green space and just like someplace you can go up on like any day of the week, have a cool lunch, get your produce, get your meat, get your fish, get your bread for dinner over the next couple of days. And then, uh, you know, or go have dinner, whatever. Like that's the whole goal. And, and uh you know, it's going to, people were nervous that it was going to not be what it was. It's not, but it's going to be a re- rendition of what it was, if that makes sense. I think in the eighties, it was way different than it was in the forties too. So. Right. Right. I mean, in the nineties, it was different than it was in the early two thousands. And yeah. when I moved here in 95, I just watched it change. Um, you know, but it goes back to like, if we're out there and someone's got to go to the bathroom man, you got to go, like you get, you have to leave. Like, there, there was no place for that to happen. Like, and then you had to dodge like a kid on a forklift on the way out, you know? So like, um, it just, you know, it needs to be tied up and redone and, and, and brought into the new world. And I think that when this happens and we get the people out there, um, I, I think that you're going to look at someplace when people do travel to Houston, it's going to be like, you need to go see the farmer's market. Just like when you go into Philly, you got to go see the market there. When you go to San Francisco, you got to go to see the market there. When you go to Napa, you got to see the market there. Seattle, see the market. I mean, every major city has these markets. We just, we don't. Right. And if we did, and if it was people going to that before, it was like, mm, this is pretty rustic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, where where uh, authentic serves as, a, as like the nice way of saying shabby. You know? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say that because I always thought it was cool, but like, it's not going to draw tourism to it. Right. And that's, I think, anything that we can do to promote tourism in our city that makes sense, so. Um, I think Todd and his group putting this together, I think it's going to be really beautiful. And yeah, we've got some concepts going up there. Uh, Right. You, right. Nick Fine is opening Wild Oats there, which will be this kind of cool Texas restaurant, I guess. Yep. Redefined. Um, He's a Texas cuisine, you know, Uh, which I, he's going down with a lot of deep dives and and, um, it's fun to be able to, uh, when he starts to talk about things and paying homage to certain things and he tries new dishes on me and I'm like, that's a, that's delicious. Although I do think he's got an idea to who, uh, do chicken fried steak in bacon grease. Yes. It, it's awesome. But like, man, you're like, man, it's, it's intense. Um, but you know, yeah, I mean like a, like a six ounce portion of that is, will be like all anybody's going to need. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. So I, you know, he's got all these ideas and he's doing all these new menu testing and that's really good. That's, it's going to be a beautiful restaurant and overlooking the green space, but you know, great, great atmosphere. So we're just, we have a design meeting this week uh, to start nailing down more things and just little intricate things that I think will be awesome to, uh, to show the guests. Yeah. And then what about the kind of the other food vendors? I mean, there's three restaurant spaces and a bakery and all kinds. I mean, like where, do you know kind of where you are in terms of identifying who those operators are going to be? Yes and no. Um, RC Ranch is going to be doing their butcher shop out there where, you know, I think is 
the Texas craft. Um, so they'll be kind of the, the workhorse of the market as far as the butchering aspects, kind of give you that old school butcher hut shop where they'll be breaking down their cattle, smoking their sausages, cutting their meats. Like it's kind of cool. Like I, I I'm really excited to see that. And that, you know, it's not just their wagging production, but uh, they've been working on pork production and lamb production and even goats for us. And um, so it, it, it'll be all over and then the egg house is coming out there and they're going to do this big kind of everything egg and breakfast. Um, so kind of, the egg house was there uh, forever, but just kind of off the corner in like a little side shed where when you walked in, it was like, uh, I didn't know this was here. So, you know, eggs, um, chicken eggs, duck eggs, quail eggs. I've even seen ostrich eggs there before. So, but the, you know, and, and, you know, there's a lot of talks with just wrap it up and finalizing a lot of things with different people. So uh, it's going to be cool. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we don't have anything. I mean, you, you already said it. We don't have anything like this and it's kind of weird that it like hasn't happened until now. Yeah. Hey, uh, we've been working on this for, you know, three years, but I think now people see it and they're like, I see what you're talking about. And so like there, there's a way a lot more interest in it at this point. And so it's, it's awesome. Yeah, when do you like? What are we? Summer, I guess. We'll start yeah, to see some of these places summer. open up. I, mean, I hate putting dates on anything, but uh, you know, right. <laughs> um, and then I want to go. I want to go totally off base with you for for the last part of this. Okay. Um, because fried chicken or pizza? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you, uh, you, you. I mean, you're, you're, you could be an occasionally outspoken presence on social media and you got a really awkward, like a, a really bad pitch from an influencer that was like, give me free yeah. food and we'll give you publicity on our Instagram account, which like, by the way, only have like a thousand followers. Yeah. And, and you said, look, this is not the time to be asking for free anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of restaurants who work with influencers like approach them in a proactive way to help get the word out, especially when they're new, yeah. uh, especially when they're not as well known, especially when they don't have a, a big PR budget. Um, do you kind of have a sense of like, like what the right relationship between sort of restaurants and influencers is? And, and do you like, especially for the market, I mean, do you, could you see yourself ever working with any? You know, I don't know the answer to that, but I, I do feel that you need to, um, I have a, a theory, right? And it's become a friend before you become a guest, right? And then once, for me, like you got to make friends with your guests and then they become your guests all the time, right? Well, it's the same theory. Like if if someone's just going to blindly come at me um, with a proposal, like, and I, I don't even, like, who are you? Like, have we talked before? Like, do we have discussions? Like, there's a lot of like the Instagram guys and girls out there that I truly respect and love and I follow it and I love to see it. Um, and I do think that if you're, you know, smaller restaurants should work with them. If it works for them, it has to work for both of them, but just to blindly go asking people for things without having any knowledge of who they are or what they do, or even like, what, like if I said, name one dish, like that wouldn't have been able to happen. So, um, like name one of the restaurants even without like Googling it, like you should know what you're getting into before you get into it. So, um, I mean, I'm not opposed to anything. I think everybody has the should be able to work, right? I, you know, like Houston Eats, great job. You know, they, they, you see them all the time. And, and, and I think it's, it's very awesome that if you have the ability to work with smaller restaurants and do it, do it, right? And that's, or anybody, not just smaller restaurants, big restaurants too. 
but just to blindly ask without even knowing what's going on in a time that is the worst for it in restaurants in general. Cause I think when this happened, this was what August. Yeah. August, September. Yeah. It was, it was August, a tough summer. Yeah. That, like, and that's one of the most, that was when like the first round of PPP was up. We were probably, you know, like we're hoping and working and I'm doing everything that we possibly can to work with the IRC and to work with our legislators to try and get more funding for restaurants. And we're in this mo- moment when, when everything could possibly crumble. And you're going to reach out and be like, hey, you want to do this? Like, no. What do you, what? No. And normally I would never say anything. You know that. I'm not going to go out and blast that. But I think that it was just one of these moments from time where it's like, hey, maybe think about it before you ask. Right? Think about what you're asking. And think about the consequences of those actions. And, and um, not that they're bad or good, but just have a little bit more, maybe have a conversation with the person first, know who they are, go eat at the restaurants. You know, I think that's a very important thing. Um, Cause I know that, you know, it's, that's the way these days, right? Instagram and social media is a very prevalent way to get your name out and to get everything going. And I think that's very good. Um, I just, I, I think relationship building is way more important. Oh, no, I, no. I, I mean, I completely agree with you. I just, I just, yeah. I've had a couple of influencers be like, Chris Shepard hates us. And I'm like, no, no, he, he doesn't hate you. I don't, I don't, I don't like it if we don't have a relationship previously, if we can work together, then that's working together. But if it's just one-sided, then, you know what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. Makes sense. It didn't make sense to me at that time. And, and, and it just hit me the wrong way. And so I felt like I needed to say something. Um, and, I, and, and a lot of people did get mad at me for that. Um, but a lot of people, you know, I, I, and, and I don't want people to bash other people for anything. Like that just doesn't make any sense. We all got to do this together, but do it, let's make the relationship first. That's all. Right. And, and I mean, we will say, you know, you were, you were very involved in the independent restaurant coalition, um, trying to get some legislation through Congress. It didn't, Still. it didn't happen in the prior administration. Uh, I was on what the phone you, morning with it too. Yeah. What are you, what are you hearing now that there's, you know, a new president and, and a change in the Senate. I mean, what do you, what do you think? I mean, are you guys going to get a little piece of this, this proposed stimulus legislation? Do you think? It's not written in anywhere yet. And that's kind of concerning, but never to say never. Um, but everything, you know, with the new Congress and Senate and with everybody now back in session for a new term, um, we have to reintroduce that again, just as they, you know, they already knew about it, but now we have to go through the whole process again and reintroduce it, which is happening now, and try and get it into that uh, that bill. Because, you know, PPP is great. It, it, it's a lifesaver, right? But it's not specifically set for restaurants, and that's where it becomes a problem. Um, because we need a bill that, um, that can help small independent restaurants across the country um, and, and, and be significant for just the restaurant business. I don't think having um, a a bailout, I don't want to call it a bailout, but a fund specifically for airlines is less than, you know, there's 75,000 people in the airline business. There's 11 million people in the hospitality industry. Like, how can that not have its own fund, right? How can that not be set up? How are we taking care of cruise ships and not the restaurant industry? It just doesn't make any sense. It's the second largest private or non-private industry in the country. How are we not able to have a significant fund 
for the people that you're asking to be in the restaurant and taking care. Cause like if all restaurants shut down for like a week, say three weeks, what would happen if every drive through coffee shop, restaurant, anybody that serves food closed for three weeks? How no delivery service. Yeah, that? I'd be eating a lot of uh, canned soup and like <laughs> lining up for those HEB rotisserie chickens. <laughs> yeah. it, would, uh, it would cripple grocery stores. It would, you wouldn't be able to get into one because like, we are still that necessi- necess- necessary uh, workforce that has to be there. So I think at some point people need to understand that, like, that it, there needs to be significant amount of funding to help us do that. No, absolutely. And it's not, you know, it's not for me. It's for, you know, it's like when the PPP regulations came out, I'm sending them to everybody I know. Like, Jasmine, here, go. Like, like Crawford's Noodles, go. London Scissors, go. Like, just like everybody I could think of that probably wouldn't see that. It's like, you guys, here, get with your bankers. Get what you need now. Um, and that's how we have to do this. We have to do this together. But, you know, if we don't have a significant fund set up for just that, it's real hard. Because how fast is that? How fast is that money going to run out? Because you know, everybody that just shows that they—I mean, at least there's a—you have to show that you had a 25% loss. But I mean, when I did when I looked at our numbers, it was like 60, 63, 58. Like when you start talking about you know numbers like that, that's huge. Right, and I you know people don't necessarily understand. It's like it's not, it's not even just the it's not just that to go doesn't make up for the cut in the dining room. It's that, you know, there's no like business dinners going on right now. There's no, you know, you can't have like that big splashy birthday party. I mean, all of those, you know, the, the private events, the, the catering for society functions, all that, all that stuff that is sort of built into your economics has all been taken from you. Nope. Nobody wrote their business plan on 50% occupancy. Right. Right. That just didn't happen. And so landlords are suffering. Like every, if you can get your landlord to help you out, which, you know, we have, like, that's, that's what you needed to do. And, but like, at some point that's not going to work anymore. Right. And so we either have to get back to some sort of normalcy, which is going to take some time. Like, I don't argue with it. Like I understand, you know, and get, getting people to go out and I'm not going to argue with, Hey, you guys need to all go out. No, I'm not saying that because like everybody has to go their own path. Right. And when people feel comfortable going onto a patio or going out, like that's cool. If they want to get to go, that's cool too. But I think at this point, like people are getting tired of, uh, I mean, there's definitely a to go, like you can just get tired of it, you know? And like, I think, you know, us doing zoom classes and all these cookbook things, like we're teaching people how to cook, <laughs> which probably isn't the best business model, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I, having options for people to get out and do things like, but, uh, you know, I, once we get comfortable, we'd be good. But we need to make sure that all the restaurants can be there when that happens. Um, and that's the biggest form. Yeah. Well, let me let me just say, having observed one of the cooking classes, because I bought it. Yeah. I bought the, the kids spaghetti and meatballs class for my nieces as their Hanukkah present that they could do with their mom. Uh, they had a blast yeah. making that stuff. And, and I thought Nick Fine did a great job. And, and I know that. You know, once Wild Oats opens, when I go to my nieces and say, hey, you want to go to Chef Nick's restaurants? Remember, he taught you how to make spaghetti and meatballs. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, like, yes, we, we're going. I, 
I'm going to tell you, I was so happy that he left those meatballs here in my house because, damn, they were good. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was not invited to my sister's house for the class, and, and there were no leftovers. They, they, family of four, they scarfed all Just 16 damn, of them. Damn. Yeah, gone. That was good. Good for them. You know, um, but that's kind of the way these days. And I think, you know, I don't know. It's weird. But we'll do what we have to do to get through it. You know, that's the thing. Right. And, you know, I think that we're getting closer every day. So uh, it's just. It takes well, yeah, that's that's the question I'm kind of asking everybody is, are you, you know, having gone through this year, are you are you finally at the point where you're starting to feel a little bit more optimistic about the future? I don't ever know. I mean, I am, but I'm not. I mean, if I wasn't, then I wouldn't look at doing new places, right? But I, I know that um, at some point we're going we're gonna to crack that shell and we're going to get out of this. Um, and that's going to be really important. And if we don't start looking at things now uh, and, and taking some opportunities that are coming our way, like you, you, you are going to be a little bit behind. Um, but I think that when, when we're back to normal, it's, it's, I mean, Lindsay said it to me the other day. She's like, I think it's going to be like the Roaring Twenties. You know, where people are just like, let's go, you know, and, and but doing it safely. Right. And that's what the hope is, is that is that, um, you know, everybody we're not we're not cooped up people. We're socialites and, and we like people like to get out and see things and smell the fresh air and go see people at dining. And like that's going to be you know, a beautiful day when all of that gets back to it and when we can travel to go to our favorite places and take our vacations and do our business trips and, you know, go have meetings downtown. Like, not that I want to do that, but um, some people I'm sure do like, that's what they do for a living. Like, I don't know what an office really looks like. So, uh, but go into the office uh, and, you know, I think people may be getting ready for that again. And I think that uh, I'm, I'm optimistic about that, but every day I think that we still fight and struggle to get through on a, a, what we're doing. All right. Well, that seems like a good place to wrap this up. Uh, before I let you leave, we have to do the lightning round. They love lightning rounds. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, buddy. Chris Shepard, what is your favorite ingredient? Salt. What is the last TV show you binged watched? Ooh. Uh, no. What's, what's the... the, the um, hold on. Uh, West Wing. Okay. We did the West Wing series. I'd never seen it before. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, very good. All right. What is your, uh, what is your, uh, sorry, who is your uh, favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? <laughs> Man, I, want, I don't know. Earl Campbell. Let's go with that. No, the dream. The dream. Fair enough. What is your, uh, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive thru. Has to come. Uh, I mean, Whataburger. That's, uh, and it's the only one I can think of. Um, the patty melts at Whataburger. All right. And then finally, when you go to a pizzeria for the first time, what are your go-to toppings? Um, fancy or shitty? Uh, your call. Both. Because, yeah, you know, some of you get like prosciutto and fresh mozzarella and basil. I, I like uh, sausage, pepperoni, and black olives. All right. That's my jam. Uh, that's why I say it's shitty because generally people think of the little cut black olives as like Shitty, and I uh, they're delicious. So, <laughs> but I hope right. they have chicken wings too, because I love them. Chicken wings, maybe arguably the greatest food group ever. Uh, I'm with you, uh, yeah. absolutely. All right, what's the website for 
if people want to keep up with you, what's the, what's the best way to do it? As underbellyhospitality.com. And then we'll follow you on Instagram. Sea shepherd 13. Yes, sir. That's me. Chris. Thanks so much. Hey man. Always good to talk to you. Eric. I appreciate it. Good to see your face. Thanks so much. All right, brother. You take care of yourself. All right. Thanks. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.